So I want to get into this word with you this morning because God is good and if they'll get this up here, that's good, that's true. So I want to, last week I had this part three laid out and everything, but I went a whole nother direction once we got going, which, which um, I, I thank God for. And, but this message I think is really important and I'm not going to skip it. So we're talking about the four purposes of the church, and this is going to be kind of, you're going to hear a lot about this because this is part of the reason that, you know, if I could just be honest with you too, I've, over, the, over the past years that have been in this church, I've just looked for a way to grow this church and grow people. And to be honest with you, I've tried to, I've tried to bring in things that work for other people, but it they, it didn't really reflect the heart and the spirit of City Point. It wasn't necessarily true to who we are. If you notice on our sign out there, it says we're a presence-driven church. We're going after the presence of God. We're going to camp around the presence of God. We're going to chase God. We're going to be God chasers who go after His heart and His will. I know that's not the norm because that scares some people. It scares people when you take them out of a system or out of a, out of a clear-cut uh, order of service, so to speak. And they want everything really laid out and clearly spelled out. And, but God, God, God can't be contained in our systems. The Bible talks about this move of God as being new wine. And he said you can't put new wine into old wineskins. And so what we're seeking God for is for God to give us his will, his plan, his purpose for City Point. That's all. I just want to be who God's called us to be. I'm not here to imitate somebody or, or I don't want to mimic somebody else's thing. I don't want to parrot somebody else's message. I want us to share with you what God's speaking and, and doing in, in me and, and, and lead this church to where God calls us to, to be who we are. And so in that light, we, we, we're called in these four purposes. These are, these are going to become the cornerstone of, I think, of, 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 of even as we move forward in, in the areas of, of, of leadership and everything else. Number one is that we're here to host the presence of God and encounter Him together. And it's based on this powerful verse in Ephesians that says He chose us before the world was made in love to be his holy people, people who could stand before him. People who could just stand before him, and we stand before him together. And when we're in a corporate setting like this, you know, it's important that we, that we go after God, because if I go after God, it helps, it helps people around me to go after God. Did you know people wa are watching you? You know your children are watching you too? They know if God's your first choice or your last chance. And so they're watching and they're taking their lead from how you go after God. And, and so we're here, to, we're here to go after God and encounter him together because when God touches you, he touches me. When he touches me, he touches you. The, there's a saying that says when the, when the tide comes in, all the ships in the harbor raise. 
So when you encounter God, it's not just for you. It's not in a vacuum. It's so we, we encounter him together. I get blessed and challenged when people are encountering God. It should provoke us to go after God as well, amen? And so we're to host the presence of God and encounter him together. Everybody say together. Man, we're so much better together. We're so much better together. Then purpose number two was to create an atmosphere for God to work in people's lives. God puts everything under Christ's power and made him to be head over everything for the church. The church is Christ's body. It is filled with him. The church is filled with him. And so in that, everything, he makes everything complete in every way. So in the atmosphere, the purpose of the church is to, and, and, and make sure that that atmosphere becomes a priority, amen? You know, this isn't about, it isn't about being cute or being fashionable or being hip, I'm, I want to be hip, whatever that means. I think I threw out my hip last night. And, but, I, but, but more than that, I, I, don't, I, want, I want the presence of God, and I want to I carry that and steward that well, and I want Christ to complete everything, finish everything. And so then we get into this third purpose today, and this is in the live app on the U, U version, and you have this, because these, these verses are what's important, and I'm going to actually read a couple of these, but then I'm going to go in a direction to, to illustrate these verses for you in a second. But it says to demonstrate our love for God through service to people. See, this is the challenge. This is the biggest challenge of the church. I, I think even bigger than, than uh, how, we, how we worship God because I think many of us w- love God. We love God. I think we love God. But... We have a problem with people. Let me say that again. We love God, but we have problems with people. But your love for God is only manifested and demonstrated by how you serve people. And I'm gonna. I, I know this is a. This is this is this is a really challenging subject right here, and and. Um, and this is not one that will probably bounce off the walls, but it's something that if we're going to see, listen to me, if we're going to see a, a genuine revival, the church is going to have to learn how to walk in love. The church is going to have to walk in a higher level of love. Many of us are hungry for the gifts and the moving of the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the gifts of God. But remember, those nine spiritual gifts are only half of, the, of one dove. That the other wing is the nine fruit of the Spirit. And that the fruit of the Spirit is love. 
And that if it's all gifts, 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 and there's no love, that the gifts can actually become counterproductive and even destructive, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Because envy and strife came in, and now the church who's functioning in in a high level of spiritual gifts is fussing and fighting with, with each other, and the Spirit of God is grieved, and the move of God is hindered because their eyes are on each other and not on God. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 13. These are the words of Jesus. As I have loved you, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I have loved you, Jesus loved us with a sacrificial kind of unselfish, giving, serving kind of love. He laid down his life as an offering. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. You should be loving and demonstrating my love in you by how you love others. And so he goes on and he says, by this we'll all know that you are my disciples. This is how people know if we're the real deal or not. It's by our love. It's by how we respond and how we react and how we, how we just flow in things, even when we're persecuted and how we, how, we, how we talk. People are listening to us and they're listening to our words and they're, they're hearing our attitudes and our spirit. And he says, by this will all men know you're my disciples by the fact that you have love one for another. Love is a passion for oneness. Let me, say, let me say that again. I want you to write that down because I know, you, you know if you want to listen to a great message on love, go back in the podcast a couple months ago and Laura uh, Kellett talked about love as one of the key ingredients in that series. It was a powerful message and she brought out the goppy a- aspect of all that. I'm not going to do that today. You could go back. That message was so powerful and, and, and it's foundational. And, it's, and then listen, if there's any area that the enemy's going to challenge in our lives, it's going to be in our love walk. If, if there's anything he's going to challenge, it's going to be in our love. And so he, he says, if you have love one for another, if you have love. See, it, it's not predisposed. It's, it's something you have to really commit and give yourself to because it's something you have to fight for. Now, I want to get into this because... Listen to to this verse right here because this is powerful. Our love for God can only be manifested as we serve others. In other words, it's in the context of how you serve that God's love shows up. And here's here's what John said. My beloved friends... And remember, John is, is old. He's, he's lived a long life. He's in his, it's, it's said that he was probably in his 90s when he wrote this. And he was, he was, he had been through a lot. And this is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he loved Jesus. And wherever you found Jesus, you found John really trying to nuzzle close to his heart. And John's writing to the church and he says, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other. Let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Love emanates from God. So how do I know if I'm getting something from God? 
It's because love is the fruit. Love is coming out of me. It's lo- I'm loving people. I'm loving, I'm loving God well, and I'm loving his people well. And he says, now listen to this. <laughs> he says, everyone who loves is born of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. Now this is an ongoing relationship and an ongoing revelation and an ongoing manifestation so that the more that you press into love, the more you're pressing into God. So listen to me, that thing that the enemy's trying to stir up to separate you between someone if you press through and you, you set your heart, God, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to keep loving them and I'm going to keep honoring you and honoring them. The more you press into that relationship, the more God will manifest himself to you. The more that you decide, I am not going to give in to hatred. I'm not going to give in to unforgiveness. I'm not going to give in to bitterness. I'm not going to give in to any of this. I'm going to press in. And the more that you press into love, you're pressing into God and God God begins to manifest himself in your struggle, and in your struggle, all of a sudden, God is showing up and giving you a supernatural ability to love and walk in love like you never had before. This is the church. It's not a church that doesn't have conflict. The church has always had conflicts. The church was born in a conflict, but the church was also born in love. And the true church decides, I'm not going to let the conflict separate me from the love. My beloved friends, continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. You know that person that hates you? is an opportunity for you to get to know God deeper. I can testify to that. The person who sets themselves in opposition to you, if you take the right posture and you refuse to hate and you refuse to get into, into, into bitterness and unforgiveness, if you pray for your enemies, oh yeah, I'm praying for my enemies. I say, God, get them. God, you get them. You heap them coals of fire and burn them suckers. You're not, that's not praying for your enemies. Don't, if you're praying for your enemy like that, please don't pray for me. But when you pray for them, oh God. See, this is what Jesus did. Remember on the cross? This is where love was manifested. People were spitting on him, stabbing him, gambling over his garments, rebuking him, cursing him. And you know what Jesus did from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Man, what is that? That's love. Come on, church, that's love. And yet we get in a thing and we go, God, I just can't stand that person and I don't... I, I just, I refuse to put myself in subjection to that. And Jesus put him subjection to the cross and took all of that abuse as the son of God out of one simple motivation, because he loved you. Yeah. 
Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. I didn't write this, he did. The, first, the person who, doesn't, who refuses to love, notice love is a decision. Let me say that again. Love is a decision. Let me tell you something, married couples. Love is not a warm, gooey feeling. I had that warm, gooey feeling when I married my wife. And that warm, gooey feeling goes away. But your decision to love is forever. You missed a really good point right there to amen. Doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? It's just pretty blunt. Now he goes on here. Now listen to this. He's going on still in John, 1 John 4. He said, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. Us, can you imagine? We were deader than four o'clock. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God. You know, I've, I've heard people say that, oh, I've always loved God. No, you haven't. We were, the Bible says we were all enemies. I mean, every, everyone must be born again. You must be born in love because by our very nature, we're children of wrath. That's what the Bible teaches. Paul in Ephesians, remember, he says we were born children of disobedience. Did you ever notice you don't have to teach a child to be selfish? Do you ever notice one of the first words a child says is mine? Remember that cartoon? What was that cartoon? Mine? Mine? What's that? What is that? Finding Nemo. Somebody needs to find Jesus. If all you're doing is mine, 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 you don't know the first thing about love. Yeah, but they hurt my feelings. But they took my stuff. They defamed my name. Mine, 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 mine. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage to clear away our sins. Everybody say, and the damage. Can I just tell you something here? Listen to me, church. Sin does damage. When you sin against God and you sin against people, you do damage. 
and the damage. But here's the good news. Jesus came to not only deal with your sins, but he'll deal with the damage. He's a restorer. He's a healer. He gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Come on. He not only forgave me of my sins, but he's, he's been healing the damage. None of us came into this without some damage. Some more damaged than others. Now when I look at people and I go, you know, I used to go, why did they do that? Now I understand they did that because of the damage in their life. And what Jesus is doing is in his love, he's bringing us to a place of healing. Can you say amen? amen? Healing our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. And let me tell you something, when your relationship with God is damaged, your relationship with people is affected. Did you ever notice that you relate to people better when you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit? Or let me put, let me put it how I like to put it, in plain English. Did you ever notice that you love people more when you're saved? It works for me. You know how I know that my relationship with God is strained? People start getting on my nerves. Is that too real for y'all? Because when I'm walking in a really good relationship with Jesus, ain't nobody going to get me down. But when that relationship with him is affected, all of a sudden people start irritating me. Let me tell you something, husbands. You're a better husband when you're saved. And your wife should just look you in the eyeball and say, you know what? You need Jesus. Yeah, you need to have more self-respect than to let him talk to you and, te- and, and treat you like that. Pastor Mike, why are you helping these women? Because you're a bully. And you're bullying some little, little 110-pound woman because you're disjointed. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it. I've watched husbands. I've watched husbands go to the altar. Man, they're coming out of the altar. They're just kissing on their wives. They're loving on their wives. And their wives come to me later and say, I just don't know, but my husband, man, he's so different. Could you please keep him in the altar? Because see, when you, let, this gets better, let's go on. You're like, please go on. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us. If we love, if you can take that word love and substitute serve, because love and serve here are the same thing, they're synonymous. If we serve one another, if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Isn't that awesome? The church is here to host the presence of God and encounter him together. 
Purpose one, we're here to create an atmosphere for God to work in people's lives. Purpose two, this can only happen in the context of loving and serving people. Context three, so let me ask you this question. If you were the devil, what would be the focus of your attack? I'd want to get people fussing and fighting with each other. I'd want to affect people's love for each other because I know if I've affected their love for each other, I have stifled their love for God. But see, we don't put it together. We think, well, I love God. It's just people I can't stand. Oh, to dwell in heaven above, that will be such glory. But to dwell below with saints I know, that's another story. Oh, to dwell in heaven above, that will be such glory. But to dwell below with saints I know, that's another story. <laughs> but where, do you ma- where does God manifest? In earth below. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven If I wanted to stop the church, I would turn the church against each other. I would separate churches by putting names over buildings and getting the people to think that it's okay to separate because of systems of belief and doctrinal practices and traditions and oral traditions. I would separate the flock of God from each other and get them to distance themselves. I would separate the leadership from the laity and I would create two classes of people. I would say these are the ministry and these are the ministered to and I would keep them separated like there's an elitist class and then a second class because instead of seeing that we're all called to be sons and daughters of the most high God, I would separate people in the most fundamental levels. I would separate moms from dads. I would separate husbands from wives. I would separate children from their parents. I would separate pastors from the flock. I would separate everything and everybody I could because when I separate them, I take out their place for the manifestation of the sons of God. I would create isms and schisms. I would label people and say, you don't want to touch them, they're this. That person can't do nothing for you, they're this. I would break people down, I would cause them to even look at themselves as as weak and inferior and I would tear at the very fabric of their own identity. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? This is the last verse. Don't anybody move. Just be still. I just said it's the last verse. (laughs) Follow God. This is Ephesians. Listen to me. This is Ephesians, and this is in the Passion Translation. It's a new translation that's in the process. It's not even complete yet. But I love this translation. It was written, it's authored by the man who uh, worked for Wycliffe, who's translating scriptures in languages that aren't even written. And God put it on his heart to come up with a translation that really went after the heart of God. And so this is from that Passion Translation, 
And here's what it says, follow God. Everybody say that, follow God. Isn't that what Jesus wants us to do is follow him. Follow his example. Follow him. Follow God and imitate all he does. Imitate all he does in everything you do. Imitate all he does in everything you do. For then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. Now, I love that word there, represent. I want to say it to you like this, so you can re-present. See, the, the image that the church has projected of God is a God of judgment, a God of wrath, a God who's angry, a God who's grouchy, a God who's, a God who's out to get people. But if we would be imitators of God and we followed him, I think we would represent God to the world as a father and we his beloved children. People are not looking for a judge, they need a father. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. Oh God, help me to communicate this. Continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. Look how extravagantly Jesus loved you. He went all the way to the cross and became so marred you couldn't even recognize his visage, Isaiah said. I know that's a hard scene to watch in, in the Passion. How many of you have seen that in the Passion? Can I tell you that's nothing like it really was. And yet, that's the extravagant love of Christ. And then somebody gets us irritated and we're like, I, I ain't never going back to that church again. I'll never speak to them again. Continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. He served us. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He humbled himself. His life is a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God. Like an aroma of adoration. A sweet healing fragrance in heaven and earth. You see, when the church walks in love, there's a fragrance that rises up out of it. You can always smell love in the house. You can smell love in a place that loves God and where the people are being transformed by the presence of God. There's an aroma. You ever walk in a house and there's like a weird aroma? Or a room? I don't want to be gross or anything, but I have two bulldogs who are very gaseous. And man, when I, there's times I walk in the door and I just close the door and go back outside. You know, there's people who walk in our churches and walk right out because there's something that stinks. I, I brought an illustration. Mark, Willie, would you help me? Mark didn't know this. I didn't say nothing to him. Right outside that door, Mark, there's a box with some stuff in it. I need it. 
This is really a weird morning for me. This is on the cuff, which most of what I do is, come on up here, Mark. I want everybody to see you. Mark Willie, everybody. I want you to put that box right there. And I want you to put that plastic on the floor right there. Mark's a really good man. There's a servant. He's a servant. Mark's, um, Mark serves his wife very well. Mark serves this church very well. Mark serves me. No, I'm serious. I mean, not, you know, and, and I mean, he just looks for opportunity. He, I, he never goes around like, he doesn't go around like uh, showing off or trying to, he doesn't even like standing up here. He is, and he hates what I'm saying right now. Because that's how servants are. They, they're, not up, they're not doing it for, the, for a notoriety or anything. We have a house full of people like that. They're ministering to your kids right now. They minister to your youth. They, they've, they've served this house so well. They don't do it for money. They don't do it for recognition. You know, I mean, around here, it, it's just amazing to me because we have such a, a, a great group of servants. We really do. They serve well. The only, listen to me. Yeah, give it up for our, our people who serve. People have served this, this summer. They served in VBS. They came after working all, all day and then served kids. People who, people who work all week and then come on Sunday, and they all want to come in and be a part of, of the worship and be a part of this, but they go out and they serve your kids. That's servanthood. People who, who greet at the door and, and, and yeah, they could come in and, and they could do a lot of other things, but, but they, wanna, they just want to be used by God. They want to be a part of this and, and they willingly sacrifice and they do it out of love. They don't do it for the money, but here's the thing I've learned. I've, I've watched people. I've watched people who get paid to minister and the only reason they're doing it is because of the money. And what the scripture calls a hireling. Because if you won't do for love what you do for money, then you're just a hireling. Right. You say, what about you, Pastor Mike? You get paid. Yeah, I, I do get paid. But I have done this job. I have, I have done this job without pay. Even in some of my time here when things... Thank God God has blessed and, and all of that. There's times I have served without a pay because things were just a mess. And I said, it's all right, let's just get this all worked out. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying this is the, this is the heart of our church. People don't do this for pay. If you're doing it for pay, man, you're starving. People come in here and they serve. and I, I'm, So I'm not preaching this message to rebuke anybody, and I hope it doesn't come across that way, but here's, the, here's what we do need. We need this whole house to get the heart of a servant. Because some people are up there, up there, up there, and, and, and we're, we're finding ourselves short-staffed. And I can't understand how a house like this, we couldn't have more than abundance of people to step into places and serve. And then what's funny to me is how some people are so ultra, like, discerning. 
I'm not sure that person's even saved. I'd rather have an unsaved person with a right heart than some of you spiritual giants who do nothing but wag your tongue. Did I just say that? Yeah, because the people who got, they, they, they got this, they got, an, they got an opinion about everything, but they don't do nothing. To you, I'm talking to you. If that's you, I'm talking to you. All the rest of the good, all the good house, city point people, forget I even said that. That's not you. I'm going to get some emails. I know I'm going to get some calls and some texts. Listen, I, so folks, I've been around a long time. I think, what, I think what we should do is do this out of love. And then what happens? There's a sweet-smelling savor that comes up. Amen. You smell better when you're walking in love. The church smells better. Everything smells better. Because here's what we do then. Here's, what, here's my idea of the church. So, Mark, you clean, you clean at home. I was at your house a while back. Not only did Mark cook us all dinner... But Mark cleaned the kitchen while we were all in there yapping our gums. He did the dishes. He, did, he cleaned the... This is a keeper right here. So Mark, I want you to take that... I want you to take that little dust mop and I want you to like dust the stage for me. Whatever, the, the things are... I've noticed some dust around here. Would you just clean this? Cause, so here's Mark. Mark's his servant, you know, and Mark's like dusting things and cleaning things and... You know, and, 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 and here's the thing, you know, it, it's all here, it's all up and you know how you clean at home. How many of you, you know, how many of you clean at your house? How many of you clean at your house? Then how many of you, when you get a phone call and says, hey, we're coming over. I'm co- we're coming over and, that, and, and the first thing, oh, that's one, you're thinking, oh my God, my house is a mess. And, 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 and the first thing you do is you start, you hang up and go, oh, we'll be waiting for you. Hang up, boom, and you're like, now you're cleaning. Clean like somebody's coming home. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You'll look, then you know it's possible for the church to worry about the superficial things, that this is shiny and this has no smudges on it, which, oh, that drives me nuts. And we, get, we obsess about this. Thank you. We obsess about that. But then we got things in our life that are like this. You know what that is? I got up early this morning. Do you know how hard it is to walk up and knock on somebody's door and say, excuse me, could I borrow some horse manure? That was me this morning. And they're like, here's the question she asked me. She goes, do you want the fresh stuff? Honest to goodness. She goes, do you want, they had like a ton of horses. I went to a place on 1150. I knew they boarded horses. And I'm in this barn, and she goes, do you want the fresh stuff, or do you want the other? Ooh. 
But really, let me ask you a question. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Because no matter whether it was yesterday's hurt or yet 10 years ago's hurt, it's still manure. And it still releases an odor of its own. And it doesn't matter how much you go around. Let's say Jesus calls Mark and Jesus says, Mark, I'm coming to your house today. I want to come see you today, Mark. I want to visit with you today, Mark. I want to, I want you to, I want to show up and, and I want to father you, Mark. I want to, I want to hang out with you today. And instead of going and dealing with this stuff, many of it that, that, that's been in our lives for a long time, but it's pretty well kind of hid away, we start dusting the things we do everything around it. We know there's some strange odor, but we, ha- we also have ways to deal with that. You know, there's Scentsy and Glade and, you know, here's the funny thing about all that stuff. You can release that thing, but, but if you got something stinking in the room, if you've got something stinking in the room, Rather than put some glade around it, wouldn't you be better off to deal with it? Listen to me, some of you got some stuff in your life. And your religious exercises to try to put a little perfume on it. I'm going to tell you, you can douse this with Chanel number five. But at the end of the day, it's still manure. You can tell me I love God, but when you say, but I don't like them, there's something stinking in your life. There's something that aroma is not permeating in the fullness of God's love and God's mercy, like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance in heaven. And you can dust and dust and dust. Mark, could you help me here? Could you... Box this up for me. I know I'm asking you to do something that's not pleasant, but it's awesome. Well, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. And now the whole room's changed. Now the whole atmosphere and the whole aroma in the room has changed. Some of you are wondering, when am I going to get my breakthrough? And God's asking you, when are you going to get rid of that junk? God, when are you going to get this thing into my hand? And God's saying, when are you going to let go of that thing in your hand? Lord, when am I going to feel your love? And it's, it's when you release that hate, that bitterness, and that strife. Because you can't have it both ways. Follow God and imitate all he does. What did God do in Jesus Christ when people sinned against him? Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Bless them. 
who curse you, pray for them who despitefully use you, that you may be children of my Father. Some of you got people who have really hurt you and really done damage to you. They have. I, I'm, not a, I'm not discounting the fact that you've been hurt and wounded and abused maybe. Some of you as children were abused by someone that you should, you should have been able to trust and they took advantage. And maybe a family person even who hurt you and maybe it was even your own dad or your own mom. But you holding on to that hurt and you holding on to that hate is like you drinking poison and hoping they die. And Jesus said, I want you to forgive. I want you to imitate me. Who in spite of all of that, Father, forgive them. For they didn't even know what they're doing. Generally, that person that hurts me, I know is reacting out of their own damage, their own brokenness. And I can identify with that and therefore I can say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because I want to walk like you walk, Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want to ask you this very simple little question to today. <laughs> wow. You know that credit card commercial where they ask the question, what's in your wallet? Here's the question for this morning. What's in your heart? Is it the love of God, a growing love? You're burning in your love for God and your love for people. If your love for people isn't growing and increasing, then your love's growing cold and you're, you may even be backslidden in your heart. And your love is waxing cold. The word waxing cold there in Matthew 24 where it says in the, in the end times, the love of many shall wax cold. What it means is to become cool by blowing. And so here's what Satan's doing to your love. He's going like this. He pulls the, coat, the embers from the fire and he goes, and he hopes your love will become cool by blowing, stirring adversities, stirring strife and trouble. And he's hoping that your love waxes cold. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus rebuked the, 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 one of the seven churches and he said, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left, thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. What's what's the aroma? What's in your cup? <laughs> The greatest thing is having Jesus in your heart and your life. So with your heads bowed, I want to ask you the question, who's here today? And you say, yeah, Pastor Mike, there's some junk in my heart. There's some stuff that just ain't right. It stinks. I need to repent. I need to, I need to bring it to God and leave it so I can be free. And that aroma of God can flow in my life because something's stinking up my house. While your heads are bowed, if that's you, raise your hand. Thank you.
How about we all stand?